There was another monster game from Giannis tonight, but it wasn't enough because he didn't have too many friends in the scoring department in this game against the Cavs. The Bucks have beaten the Cavs twice. The Cavs get one back tonight, and turnovers were the absolute story in the first half. And this has been a recent trend for the Bucks, so we're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss some of the rotation stuff that happened in this game, and then uh, what challenges the Cavs present because, as it currently stands, they do look like potentially a team the Bucks will have to cross on their road to the conference finals and beyond. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win My name's Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, who's back in Wisconsin. He's done the drive. He got it done. He beat the weather. What a man he is. But uh, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or first watch of every single day. Win or lose, off day, doesn't matter. You guys keep coming back and watching us and supporting us, which we appreciate. And uh, as I keep saying, go on YouTube, subscribe, hit the little bell, like the video, chuck a random comment in there. It all helps us uh, for sure. So we re- we really appreciate it. And the debate's been pretty strong. But the Bucks go down to the Cavs, Frank. And look, in the end, they were coming hard. They left it just a little bit too late in the fourth quarter here. On a night that in the first half, I'm sitting back and thinking, surely not. Surely we're not going to have a repeat of the disaster in Memphis because they were down 20 plus. It was looking awful. There was turnovers galore. And not for the first time in recent games, the Bucks have been pretty sloppy, particularly on offense. We know they've had their struggles overall, but you get a 45 point night from Giannis an efficient 45 points. Uh, he just didn't have enough help, particularly in that first half when you go into the breakdown 18. Yeah. No help for Giannis in the first half. Um, <laughs> and it felt like they they lost the game. I mean, you could say they lost the game when the Cavs went on that big run, sort of, you know, end of the first quarter into the start of the second quarter. Um, you know, it's 43-21. I think Giannis at that point had like 13 of the Bucks, 21 points or something like that. I mean, yeah. he was having to to carry them and just nobody else really showing up offensively. Um, they end up, you know, battling back and um, – it was 49-38 when Brooke Lopez gets the ball down low and, and gets an and one. And that made it 49-40. And if Brooke had hit the free throw, you would have gotten him back to eight. And Giannis hadn't even come back yet. He ended up coming back for the last I think, couple minutes of the first half. Um, and it felt like, oh, okay, you know, you go down, um, you get into the half down single digits. That would have felt like a very good place to be, especially given what we've seen from the Bucks in these third quarters, which again, like, you know, is there anything real happening with with the Bucks just having these these monster third quarters against the Cavs in the first two games? Like I, I can't explain to you why that you know would happen, right? Last year the Bucks were the team that for some reason folded in the third quarters. This year for some reason they're good in the third quarters. I'm not going to try to really make sense of it, um, but uh, unfortunately, Brooke misses the free throw. It's 49-40, and Giannis I think got one more basket, and it was I think 54. 
42 after Giannis's basket. And then I think we did Donovan Mitchell hit both of the threes that, that closed out the half. They hit two threes to close it out. And as you said, I mean, the turnover, I think they had to turn over, you know, right late in the, in the, in the half as well. And to go from, you know, thinking, Hey, maybe we can get in the half down single digits to, Oh, it's 60 to 42. Congratulations. You're down 18. And you know, you're basically saying like, Hey, we better have another 35 to 10 third quarter in our back pockets in order to win this game. Um, so it was tough. And again, in the third quarter, you know, kind of a similar story. I mean, the, the Cavs ultimately didn't shoot great from three tonight. I think they were only like 32%, I think to, on the, uh, on the evening from three. Um, and the Bucks actually shot better from three than, than Cleveland did in terms of percentage, but the Bucks didn't take a ton of them tonight. And, you know, it, it felt like, again, just, it was Giannis just sort of willing them the entire way. And unfortunately, you know, that can only get you so far, especially against a Cleveland team that when they needed baskets, right. Like it felt like Garland or even Jared Allen could get, they could get little like, you know, 10 foot push shots. It felt like the, you know, a reverse of the Pelicans game. Um, and, you know, even so the credit the bucks, they, they battled. I think, like you said, the Memphis game made me appreciate this game more just because they kind of yeah. laid down and just got the crap kicked out of them. So this game, at least you felt good that, Hey, they kept battling and eventually they started getting some stops and forcing some turnovers themselves. And I think, you know, the last best chance there in that last minute, um, they get that turnover in the backcourt, kick it over to Drew, kicks it over to Joe Ingles. He's got a chance. I believe it was a six point game with what was it? 40 seconds, 30 seconds, something like that left. And Joe had a great look at a three. He had hit his first three um, of the season. Uh, just, a, I don't know if it was, that was in the fourth quarter or was it third quarter, but you know, he, he finally gotten off the schneid hmm. and you see him line up that corner three, obviously normally you'd say that's a money shot for Joe, but second game back, it was not money. It was a wedgie, uh, alas, which was kind of a womp womp way to, to end this game. And I mean, it's a jump ball, so you could have gotten the ball back, but unfortunately uh, at that point they were playing small. Giannis was, was in there and going against Jared Allen uh, loses the tip and, you know, ultimately that was kind of all she wrote. So kind of a good job, good effort type of game. Um, Bucks showed they have plenty that they can still clean up, especially with the turnover game. But uh, Boston losing again tonight. So we, we don't have to, uh, you know, put an official uh, end date on the Bucks tenure in first place. Unfortunately, they're now only two losses up on the Cavs for the first spot. And Cleveland still has a chance to, even the season series, if you'd won tonight, you would have locked up the head-to-head tiebreaker, which you never know when that might be helpful. Um, but instead, now Cavs within two games in the last column. Uh, and thankfully, Boston, though, loses their 10th game of the year at home to Indiana. They they were getting blown out most of the game, and then uh, Indiana held on. So, yeah, let's just say neither the Bucks nor Celtics kind of c- covering themselves in, in glory right now. The Celtics certainly struggling way more than the Bucks, though. Um, so we'll be, we'll be thankful for that, but, um, obviously we knew this road trip was going to be challenging and, and this, this game certainly showed why 16 and two at home, the Cavs as well. So they've been a good team at home this season and they're just impressive. You know, we knew the addition of Donovan Mitchell was going to be big, but, um, you mentioned a couple of things there that I wanted to touch on before we move on. I want to ask you about Jared Allen because he hadn't played. What impact did he have? We know Giannis was obviously huge. Uh, but Allen's, you know, an important player for this Cleveland team. So Joe Ingles, two things. Are we ruling out that he shot the wedgie because he, he didn't feel like he was quite at his feet set and he thought if he shoots a wedgie, Giannis jump ball, you can't lose. Are we ruling that out? 
strategic play from Joe. All right. Yeah, Gian- Giannis is Giannis is normally like an automatic on the. He gets so many know, jump balls because people are always like diving in to take the ball from him. But they're normally against not centers. That's so true. unfortunately, this was against a guy that's used to uh, taking jump balls. Normally, uh, you know, you would have had Brook Lopez out there to take it if if Brook had been in the game. But they were going small. That was part of the tactics, and um, you know, even Evan Mobley had foul trouble. Um, Jared Allen just had Giannis Dedekumbo trouble uh, for most of the night, just in terms of Giannis just attacking him off the dribble. I think Giannis did a nice job of getting heads of, ahead of steam, making sure that he had momentum attacking Jared Allen rather than kind of getting to spots where he has to stop and then try, try to like go up from a standstill. I think up there you're asking for trouble against a guy like. Jared Allen, um, he didn't have a block tonight, but he did have 19 points on 10 shots. So, you know, he was really good offensively. I mentioned the push shot and he was obviously very good around the rim and, you know, Mobley really not very impactful at all. Mentioned the five fouls, just seven points on seven shots, but, but Allen was certainly very good tonight. Um, But again, Giannis was playing at a level tonight that, you know, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, whatever uh, in their primes probably, probably couldn't have done much with Giannis. Uh, defensively tonight, um, you know, he just, again, was playing with, uh, with an energy that was, was really fun to watch. And especially in that third quarter, in the fourth quarter, I mean, he hit that like really tough sidestep late clock mid ranger early in the quarter, which I, I don't, I can't think of another shot exactly like that, that he's hit. And then pretty late, he hits a turnaround baseline fadeaway, that glamor shot that I always get annoyed with, which he has really struggled with this year, but he got the toilet blow flush. It seemed to rim, rim around for uh, an eternity, but that was coming out of a timeout. Not exactly the play I'm going to draw, <laughs> draw up out of a timeout, but he got that to go. He had a first half mid-range jumper over Kevin Love. So again, didn't didn't hit any threes tonight, but um, but the the mid-range game was was certainly looking better. And and he also hit like a little baby hook shot over Evan Mobley after really kind of giving him a little bump and a little weight room reminder in the first half as well. So. Yeah, I mean, Giannis was just really good and as good as Jared Allen is, um, you know, it was just a night where Giannis was not going to be denied, which is encouraging, right? I mean, Giannis missed a game over the weekend, resting that knee up. He struggled in the games before that for him to come back and put up just, you know, two monster scoring lines and just look really energized and effective doing it in these last two games. Again, we know that's going to come and go. He'll probably have times during the season when he's not feeling as good, as fresh, um, but hopefully – Hopefully he's going to, you know, he's back to another, hopefully another long streak of, of strong play. We saw the eight straight 30 point games followed by three straight under 30. Now he's got two straight 40 point games. So that's a nice streak to start and um, had some misses first three free throws and then comes back and hits 11 of 13 the rest of the way as well. So, um, you know, all in all, again, just uh, (laughs) one of those, you know, best player in the world type nights from Giannis, which, uh, we obviously want to highlight, especially in a, on a night where he didn't get a whole lot of help. Well, it wasn't happy holidays tonight for Drew. He only had nine points on 12 shots, but uh, during the holiday some period... Some missed layups, too. Like, some of those yeah. layups he missed, too. Like, that late... Like, he missed just a bunny blow, blow. Yeah, I mean, just just not Drew's night. It was it was the uh, early 21... It was the, what, fall of 2021 type of, of shooting mm-hmm. performance from him where he was missing all those bunnies early last season. Um, but obviously he's been awesome for the most part. So kind of, so it goes, but, uh, but yeah, definitely a night where you kind of wanted to hit the reset button on Drew's, on Drew's shooting. That's for sure.
I was just trying to set up a pun for an ad read, Frank, but we, uh, we do we do appreciate your thoughts on Drew Holiday because did you know, this is a, a special uh, message here from NHTSA, uh, did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your co-workers can tell, even your parents can tell, everyone can tell. So what makes you think the law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. And this message is paid for by NHTSA. Make sure you check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast with our man, Peter Bukowski. Uh, I believe the, the Packers are playing some sort of Christmas Day, uh, Boxing Day game, but uh, he'll have you covered on the Locked On Sports Today podcast. And uh, with all the rest of the sporting news around, the NBA, of course, Christmas Day. Hard to believe, Christmas Day basketball, which means a Christmas Day podcast. Bucks and Celtics are currently two best teams in the NBA, even though they're not playing great. So listen to the Locked On Sports Today podcast and you'll hear it all. Uh, the other quick point I wanted to make, and, and uh, this isn't a bit, and I'm not going to talk about Joe Ingles a lot, but it is related to Joe, um, just with the lineups. Because you mentioned the last four minutes when the Bucks cut it back to nine, and there was a bizarre lineup that I, I don't think we need to see a lot of moving forward. So once they cut it back to nine, the Cavs called another timeout. And I, at the time, I thought it was bizarre because you had Brooke Lopez, Giannis, Bobby Portis, Joe Ingles, and then Javon Carter. And, and what that meant was is that we can all say that, you know, I, I don't think Joe can have three months. And I still don't think you want him defending Devon, uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell straight up, right? But because of the lineup that Bud had out there, he was kind of forced to do it. And Donovan Mitchell only hits three threes for the night. But two of them are on Joe in ISO situations where he's asked to defend him one-on-one. Now, I know they know each other very well. He's probably defended him a lot. And maybe that's the thinking. But I just thought it was a bad lineup in such a critical part of the game where you you need to keep it at around that 10 point mark they weren't able to do it as you pointed to frank so yeah just an interesting lineup and i, I don't think you're going to see too many lineups where joe's asked to to be the the two the two guard and defend li- uh, literal perimeter players so i thought it was costly yeah i mean it's i've actually been curious to see that was like kind of one of the main things i'm, I'm sort of interested to see is just joe ingles being on the floor here does it come defending like wing you know like wings or even more two guards like is it coming because let's be honest i mean the weakest part of the bucks rotation is the shooting guard position right yeah and again once you obviously drew holiday is healthy um and once you get chris middleton back playing regularly knock on wood hopefully sooner rather than later he was doubtful coming into this game so i guess it was good that he wasn't just straight up out um for this game with the sore right knee um being the opposite knee of the one that the MCL that he uh, damaged or hurt in the uh, playoffs last year. But the two guard is the, the question mark for the box given, you know, every other position is essentially a uh, all-star caliber player between Drew, Chris, Giannis, and yes, Brooke Lopez. Um, I know you guys were talking about all-star potential, but Hey, Drew and Drew, I, Drew and Brooke. I, it's funny. They were both all-stars last 10 years ago, right? That it was in the yeah. same all-star game that they were both got their one, got their one um, opportunity. But 
Uh, I mean, two guards, the, the point of weakness. Um, I, I think it is going to be interesting to see just how they fill that. Um, you know, I think with, with Joe, uh, he's a guy who it's not like, I, I don't know that I, I don't have a great answer for this. I mean, I don't think he's a guy that like has generally been like a small ball four. I think he has typically been more of a wing type defender. Um, and so I think it will be interesting to see if, if you know, where he's getting his defensive assignments, but yeah, I agree. I, I was curious when I saw that, I was like, is this because like Bud is saying, or Joe said that like, Oh, I know Donovan because yeah, we yeah. played together and I had to do this in practice a lot. Like first off, even if he says that I wouldn't trust him because you know, your second game back from an ACL tear and you know, as Joe said in the the story that that our friend Eric Name wrote, what, what did he say? What was the exact quote? Like I'm an old, I'm a fucking old white guy or something like that. Like you know, I haven't read Joe, it actually, Joe's... but I tell you what, now that I know that quote, <laughs> I'm gonna go read it. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I let's just say I'm curious um, how they generally use him, but but even so, I mean, even if he's guarding like a lot of wings and not seeing small ball four minutes, even if you are doing that. Um, you don't have to put him on Donovan Mitchell. You know, you can try to find your pick, pick your, your spots a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, that was, you know, that was just one of those things. And um, I thought, you know, speaking of, of like that, that position, I mean, Marjan Beauchamp, um, three or five threes again tonight, he's up to 36% three pointers now on the season. So this recent heater that he's been on, you know, again, we're still pretty small sample size theater here, just given he hasn't played a ton, but um you know, for him, it's about just consistency, right? And and he's got this golden opportunity right now to show Bud, like, hey, I can I can play, and I'm gonna work hard, and I can move my feet, and I can, you know, maybe not always make the right play defensively, or make always make the right read defensively, but I've got the tools that you know I'm I'm I can be an add a plus there, and then offensively, I can play my role, and certainly the way he's been shooting the ball from three, you know, just two for four overall in the previous game, but both three pointers um, and obviously had the really good game prior to that on Saturday. So uh, for him to get 11 points tonight, uh, knocking down threes. And I thought again, just his ability to move his feet against premier wing scorers. Like, you know, he was, he defended Mitchell and Garland at times. I don't think he's great at getting over screens at this point. That's where being a little bit bigger is, is not helpful, right. When you have to kind of get skinny and get over screens and things like that. Um, but just like one V one, I mean, he's got really good feet and like there was a play where Mitchell kind of, you know, Mitchell couldn't shake him, but then he kind of got going to the basket and Donovan kind of like leaned into him and drew a foul. And I was like, okay, you know, that's what like these premier type scorers are, are going to do and the kind of tricks that, that he's going to have to learn. But, um, but I thought it was an encouraging, another encouraging performance from, from Marjon and, um, you know, I think we, you know, we, you've been asking everybody that comes on the pod here lately, right? Like how is all this going to shake out? Right. Like West basically didn't play tonight. Essentially you had nine guys, Marjan being a starter and Chris's absence. Um, so I think the, the obvious sort of answer would be at this point that, um, once Chris comes back, that, that Marjan probably just disappears, <laughs> disappears. <laughs> and, uh, we see the, the other guys, right. Basically Pat, Joe, uh, Javon and Bobby Portis off the bench. Um, but you know, the season's so long, as we said, like there's always, somebody's going to get injured. And I think also, I, I just don't think that like, even if they were, you know, let's just say ideal scenario, they just like magically stay healthy the rest of the year. Bud's not going to just like put, you know, George Hill on ice for the next 
50 games. I don't think he'd put Marjon on ice for the next 50 games. Um, I think he, he trusts those guys enough that he would want to keep those guys at least somewhat engaged. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see just does he kind of cycle some of these guys in and out? I think like with Wes, he's already been doing that essentially all season. Uh, once Wes came back from his injury, he's basically been kind of using Wes more strategically rather than really playing him, you know, a consistent like 15, 20 minutes every night. Uh, so I think it's going to be just probably one of those things I'd, I'd expect that's probably just going to continue where, you know, they're just not going to play Joe Ingles certain nights, especially coming back from the injury. I kind of was curious if that might happen tonight. Um, but I'm guessing that there's just going to be nights where they say, all right, you know what, Wes, you're playing tonight, Joe, you're not. Um, George Hill, I'm sure some nights is going to get the call and is going to play. Uh, and again, you hope it doesn't always have to happen because of injuries. In all likelihood, it, it will happen just because guys pick up knocks. They're out for a week with an ankle, hopefully nothing long-term, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think realistically, like just given what we know about injuries and all this stuff, like, I think you're just going to see those guys kind of come in and out. And even when people are healthy, I'm guessing Bud's going to just give, especially some of these veteran guys like George Hill, um, Wes, et cetera, like he's going to be pretty liberal, just giving them like, all right, you're just not going to play for a couple games. Um, but then I don't think he's also going to just put those guys in, you know, in mothballs or something like that. Cause I think he thinks that he may need them at some point, um, later in the season, but Either way, I mean, great to have more guys you can trust and you have rotation spots for. And Marjon, I think, just deserves a ton of credit because he's basically making Bud have to, like, reckon with the fact that he's playing well and that he's out there making shots and generally, you know, especially for a rookie, making pretty good decisions and kind of finding his role and, and knowing kind of how he fits into this this team. So, um, so yeah, just been a lot of fun and certainly – you hope Chris Middleton comes back sooner rather than later, but the more you get, you know, Marjon kind of just used to getting these reps, you know, get these big, you know, start in road games against other Eastern conference contenders and deal with adversity and play with the stars. Some nights you're playing with just more of the bench guys. Um, the more reps, the better. And certainly I think we'd all love to see Marjon just continue to get these, you know, however random they're going to be sometimes starting great, sometimes off the bench. Fine. Um, but if you can keep him playing semi-regular, I think that's there's only upside to that, regardless of whether or not he's a guy that, that ultimately is going to play in the playoffs this year. All right. I want to ask you whether you think the Cavs – we're at the – what are we? About a third of the way through the season. So I want to ask you whether you think that the Cavs are legitimately a threat uh, to this Bucks team with the way they're constructed. And, uh, yeah, with, with Marjon particularly, I think, you know, he plays 20 minutes, four fouls, a couple of those – just a little too eager to get the hands in there and make plays and do those types of things. But that's why him playing is a great thing because hopefully uh, he learns the patience that one on Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he, he had the help coming, which reminds me today's podcast is brought to you by uh, is sponsored by better help. And uh, we know, unfortunately life uh, doesn't always come with a user manual. So uh, when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. And, uh, well, my brother, my older brother became a parent uh, last week. I'm sure he's got some stress going on. I know I, when I changed my career and moved to Milwaukee, I, I went to, to, to speak to someone and it's, you know, a very normal thing to do and very helpful. And therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes uh, therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex, complex engine called you. 
So as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. There's no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on MBA. All right, so the Cavs ticking along pretty nicely. I already mentioned they're 16 and 2 at home, 22 and 11 overall. So that means they're 6 and 9 on the road, which is eh, a little interesting, but they are a young team. Uh, obviously, Garland is at a 50 point game and he's looks like he's taken another step and he's a tough shot maker, as again, we saw some of those backbreakers tonight. They've got the two bigs, but particularly with Mobley, we saw tonight Giannis directly went at him. And the easy argument from Bucks fans would be. Well, you can say that they've got a couple of bigs that can protect the rim and potentially long arms in front of Giannis. Can that get in the way at all? But Giannis had 45 points in this game. So that's the easy pushback. So overall, do you see the Cavs as a genuine threat this year? Do you think it's too early? And do they have any tools that can make life difficult uh, for the Bucs? I mean, I think they're... They're definitely a, I think, a regular season threat, right? I mean, that's why I mean, we've been talking about how much we are, you know, happy with where the Bucks are from a regular season record standpoint. And even with that, the, the, the Cavs have a better point differential. They, you know, are only two back in the loss column now. So they're right there, right? Cleveland's right there. Um, I think from an injury perspective, you know, Ricky Rubio, uh, I'm not sure how close he is to returning, but I think we saw last year, he was a huge part of the the strong start they had, um, you know, may, maybe less of a factor this year, just because they now have already two kind of ball dominant guards. So, you know, he's going to be probably off ball most of the game, even when he's playing, because you're not going to put the ball in Ricky Rubio's hands and, you know, Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland, like, you know, playing off ball a whole lot. Um, so that, that maybe isn't as he's not as necessary or as valuable, you know, as if he's playing off ball, if given his shooting, but um, I, I think they're one of those teams that you look at going into the trade deadline because it is, you know, everybody knows what, what their issue is. Their issue is wing depth. Um, you know, Okoro hitting two threes tonight was super annoying because he's been just basically, you know, unguarded most year and I think he came to your it came into the game shooting 22 percent from three I mean he's he's been I mean a bust more or less more or less given where he was drafted right top you know top half of the lottery uh and just a guy that like has good defensive tools but just offensively just can't really do anything and nobody respects him he's just kind of dared to shoot wide open threes and he has not been able to hit them at, at really a, a threatening rate um so I think that's really the big question is, is can they get that, you know, legitimate wing help um, to, to make it so they don't have to play Isaac Okoro or Lamar Stevens or, you know, some of the guys that, that they have to play at the three spot. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think they can, so I think there's two parts of it. Could they be, you know, um, a top, I mean, they already are a top three team in the regular season in the East right now. Uh, I would certainly, I don't see a reason why they can't, you know, maintain that for a full season. Um, I think in the playoffs, I think the wings, the wing issue is probably 
going to be a bigger problem. Um, I think, you know, Mobley, it's, it's interesting. People were, you know, I think justifiably super eye on him coming out of last season. A lot of people obviously were hopeful that he was going to take a huge leap this season. I think both him and Scotty Barnes have kind of like just had tread water seasons in a lot of ways, at least statistically. Right. I mean, I don't watch every Evan Mobley game or anything like that, but he certainly hasn't been terribly impressive in the games we've seen against the Bucks. And I think part of that obviously is just because he's going against Guy Giannis, who's just so physically strong that it's just hard for Mobley's, you know, lack of kind of, you know, physicality to, to over, you know, to be overcome by just the, the length and, and everything he has. But I think skill wise, like we haven't seen him like make some huge leap, like, you know, he's not like a, a guy that looks comfortable at creating off the dribble um, he's obviously got good touch, but not that, you know, we've seen him, he hasn't become like a really good three point shooter or something like that. So again, that still may come, but I think for this season, I, I was interested to see how much the Mitchell trade would impact his development. And I think you could say if without Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley probably has a lot more touches, a lot more opportunity to kind of flex and, and work on his game offensively this year. But I think from what we've seen so far, I would probably say like it's for the best that they haven't had to do that. So I think Mitchell coming probably maybe limits some of his short-term offensive upside in terms of like really becoming a bigger scorer and, and focal point offensively. And again, if, if Donovan Mitchell or Garland get hurt, then that could, could change a bit. But I mean, Garland was hurt early in the season as well. Right. And um, you know, it's not like Mobley was having 25 point games left and right. So I think we've just sort of seen he's a young guy. It's probably still, you know, a year away from being like a really high level guy. But I mean, there was talk about him being like, you know, defensive player of the year caliber guy, potential that does he make an all-star leap. And, and at least so far, maybe, maybe that's, maybe he does make some big jump later in the season, but I, I certainly haven't seen it from him at this point. Um, and Jared Allen, obviously super effective player. Um, but I think, you know, again, like, part of me looks at teams that play centers who don't shoot and looks at that as like, especially in the playoffs. Hey, if, if you're going to let us be able to play Brooke Lopez, the way Brooke Lopez wants to play, then I think that's generally something that's positive. So, you know, is there some chance that they could upset the Bucks in a playoff series? <sighs> There's a chance, uh, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> depending on injuries, things like that, but, I think you'd certainly say the Bucks would be clear favorites in, in that type of matchup. Um, and especially, obviously, you hope that the Bucks can continue to take care of business and, you know, finish ahead of them in the East standing. So, you know, shout out to Cleveland. I mean, they have a super bright future. Mitchell's, what, only 26. Um, you know, I, I, I'm curious. I'm curious, like, I think we're just in general, especially with Garland and, and Mobley, I think so much of what they become is really dependent on what those guys' ceilings really are. And is Garland, like like how good can Garland actually be? He, he's really good already, right? I mean, he's an all-star level player. Um, but is he like a, like automatic all-star every year type guy, right? Like, I don't, I don't even know if he'd make the all-star team this year, just given how deep the guard spot is in the East. And the fact that Mitchell has clearly kind of come in and, you know, Donovan Mitchell thinks he's the best player on this team. And so far he probably has been. Um, and Mobley, obviously, you know, it's probably obviously even further off in terms of knowing just how good he can be. So, so, yeah, I think they can definitely be very good, but um, certainly good to see Giannis just wrecking, balling, wrecking ball his way through this team and 
Um, I don't know. We'll see. I think, again, a lot of it probably comes down to whether they can get wing help at the deadline. Yeah, and I think the big thing with Donovan Mitchell at this point is that his efficiency has been way up from anywhere it's been in his career. I mean, on his career, he's a 44-36-83 guy, which, by the way, is not awful, but he's at 50-44-90 this year and taking 20 shots a game. So uh, is that going to last for another 50 regular season games in the postseason? We'll see, but he's been on fire uh, so far for the Cavs. The Bucks have got a day off. They're heading to New York. They've got the Brooklyn Nets, who absolutely dusted off the Steph Curryless Warriors. They put 91 points on the Warriors in a half, which is just absolutely absurd. The Nets are playing really well. So the Nets and the Celtics, the next couple of games for the Bucks, uh, obviously Friday night against the Nets and then Christmas Day against Boston. So a couple of good ones to go, Frank. We'll have a podcast again tomorrow. But more importantly, what the hell are you doing for the next few days other than bunkering down inside? Are you going to put on... 15 layers, put your snow boots on, chuck a beanie on and trudge your way down to the nearest Rocky Rococo or what's happening? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I may, you know, normally I, I, I like the day, I, the day after I get here, I uh, sneak off and, uh, and make a Rocky Rococo run, but uh, we're supposed to start getting snow tonight. And so I just, uh, before this, I made my, my run to Piggly Wiggly down the yeah. road from, uh, from where I live. Uh, or where my parents live and uh, fortified kind of stocked up for the next few days. Uh, so we've got enough stuff for, for my family. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe a few days before I get to Rockies, but uh, shout out to Camille. I literally was driving as you guys were talking on last night's pod. I think it was toward the end. Camille gave did the you Rocky coach. I, I did not, I did not lose okay. sight of the loose. I, I didn't laugh out loud, but I was smiling at your suggestion that I would begin drooling <laughs> while driving uh, across country. And I was indeed driving through, uh, I think it was in, where was it? I think it was in, might've been Arkansas at the time that, uh, that I, I caught that little reference from you. And Shout Camille. Out, so, um, but and that actually got me thinking, I got, you know, I haven't met Camille in person and I don't, I'm trying to remember if, when I did the live pod a few years ago, I'm trying to remember if I actually met Justin then. I feel like I, you know, it's like, it's kind of funny. I mean, you do the pods with them. I, I've done a few pods with them, but like, I don't actually like talk to Justin and Camille that much, but I feel like I do just <laughs> vicariously through your pods yeah. with them. So I was thinking I got to try to, I'm going to have to ping them. This is the, here's, here's the, the bat signal to them. I got to, ping them um to see if maybe i guess post post christmas post this blizzard uh we can do like a little uh locked on bucks um meet up we'll get gotta get eric over as part of that too um but uh yeah we'll we'll pour one out for you kane if we can make that happen um but uh but yeah so hopefully uh hopefully everybody stays warm and um at some point i can emerge from from a bank of snow to uh to go claim my my slices of rocky rococos and and what we should also do at some point, and it's difficult with the times and all those types of things, is try and get everyone on a pod, a little holiday uh, combined podcast at some point. A little, little Brady Bunch, a little like nah, Bra- little boxes Brady everywhere Bunch thing with like all the all the boxes, yeah, boxes everywhere. Live pod, go for four and a half hours. Who knows? Uh, but we should try and figure that out. But uh, we'll figure out the schedule over the next few days as well. Definitely podcasting tomorrow, and, and let's face it. Even if you're spending time with the family over the next few days, listen, it's no secret. We all need to get away for about half an hour or an hour. So I'm not uh, working. I'm not working. So, I mean, what, you know, like, 
of course, like I'm going to want to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks for, for better or worse. Right. Whether it's what awesome about... stuff or like bad, bad stuff. I want to, you know, you're my, my way of coping. Kane is talking it out with you. Mate, I love it. All right. Well, screw it. Well, I'll have a podcast tomorrow and then we may, we'll probably do post game after the Nets. We'll, we'll figure something out after the Celtics as well. That's the day after Christmas for me. So I'll be, I'll be lazing around. I'll be uh, very happy. A 9 a.m. game but for, uh, on the day after Christmas for me. It could not be any better. I'm going to roll out of bed, uh, cook, cook some breakfast, get some coffee going, and watch the Bucks. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. It actually is better than Christmas. By the day. way, for, for the longest time, by the way, I, um, you know, I, I, as you know, I'm a soccer fan, but, but don't worry. I'm not going to regale you with more like messy stuff. Um, but I, I would, you know, like, after right after college, I started watching a lot of like premiership and, you know, it's a big thing in England. They have soccer games on the 26th and it's boxing day, right? Bank holiday, yeah. I believe in most of the, you know, former British colonies. Um, and for the longest time, like I never looked into what the heck boxing day was supposed to mean, but I just always thought of it as like yeah. this boxing, yeah, yeah. like pugilism or whatever. And then uh, at some point, I, I I don't have the exact thing up, but I guess it's like, you know, you're boxing up stuff from the holidays, right? That's like the origin of it. Is that right? It's not. Yeah, my, it's my, not punching each other. It's not Bobby Simmons or Bobby Simmons. <laughs> it's not Bobby Portis clubbing Nikola Miritich in the face um, or, or Draymond Green getting Jordan Poole. It's, uh, it's, it's just putting stuff in boxes after the holidays, I believe. Correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. You're, I'm going to defer to you as the British Empire uh, person in the in this chat yeah i come up with uh multiple meanings the first one is if you are stuck with your family for over 48 hours and you've just had a gut full of one particular cousin then it's boxing as in fighting because by the second day you need to get the get something sorted but yeah it's i'm pretty sure it's if you uh get some gifts that perhaps aren't quite right chuck them back in the box take them back i think that's right i think it's got to do with that because it's a big shopping day humongous shopping day it's like the it's like uh you know black friday over here the sales galore everyone goes shopping i don't that sounds like absolute a painful experience but that's what a lot of people do so yeah that's a bit and obviously we have the nba all day they've actually got the first ever sporting event pretty much uh yeah pretty much first ever sporting event ever on christmas day here in australia the australian basketball league the nbl is playing a game fortunately it's in sydney so i don't have to go um but they're doing it which will be cool so that's it by the way the the nets the nets were 21 of 33 from three-point range tonight. 64% in scoring 143 against the Warriors. Well, hopefully they got that That's out of their system. Yeah. Although the Warriors yeah, aren't the defending are, anyone, as we know. Yeah. Well, the Nets are only uh, two and a half games back of the Bucks right now. They're 20 and 12. So, I mean, it's funny. Everybody, and everybody was ready to bury the Nets. And, I mean, look – do I think the Nets are going to win a championship this year? No, I still feel like there's, you know, higher odds that they implode than, than anything, but um, they're certainly not, not struggling right now. And Kyrie didn't even play tonight. He had a calf injury of some sort. So um, yeah. Interesting. Uh, interesting game. By the way, I saw, I, I was listening to Sarah Kustak on with Zach Lowe and Zach mentioned that, Ben Simmons has he he was zero for two from the following tonight, but like he's only taken like now I guess like four free throws and had zero makes in like the last like six games or something like that. Like he was like playing better, right? Now he's just like 
not doing anything, I guess, but they've got, they've got their shooters starting to get healthy. At least um, your boy, your boy, Patty Mills, 13 points on five out of five shooting tonight. So out of the rotation, man. I'm going to basically, basically Friday is just going to be the Patty Mills, Joe Ingles podcast, right? Is that what that's well, going He, he won't play unless it's a blowout. He won't play because he's out of the rotation, which is devastating for the whole entire nation. Is he? Oh, okay. So he played 13. Oh, so he played 13 minutes tonight only because it was a blowout. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 It was 90, 91 to 51 at halftime. So woof. My last, and I was smiling, Frank, as you were talking about that. Not because I was smiling at the Ben, you know, no Ben Simmons slander here. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, but, he's not really Australian, so you can't be offended. Uh, he's he's I, basically I thought, American, American accent. I saw this tweet from this account called McNeil, at McNeil, or at, uh, anyway. I didn't see this on the broadcast. Brooke Lopez must have flopped or something. And Robin Lopez is getting into the official about this flop from Brook Lopez. And he has translated this as, and I, 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 it's doing the round. So I think it might be right that Robin Lopez says to the official, that's a flop. He's an actor. I know he was in West Side Story. He was Officer Kripke. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually he's mic'd up. That might be the single best mic. That's like the single best mic'd up line I think I've ever heard. Um, That that is genuinely beautiful stuff. We love Robin. Oh my god! By the way, I'm still laughing at thinking of Robin face guarding Giannis at at mid court in the uh, the previous Bucks Cavs game where Giannis kind of just ate Robin for lunch. Although Robin, in fairness, Robin has had some impressive stretches in previous years where he actually like usually not when he's having to defend Giannis one-on-one, but you know, his rim protection, obviously that's his calling card. Um, in addition to his like weird, weird hook shots, but, uh, shout out to Robin. Um, didn't play tonight, but, uh, did get into some, some glorious mic'd up moments apparently. He did. And my last thought, uh, I've had a few last thoughts, but my last thought is, uh, Evan. You're like me. If you, if you're like you are, me, if you can, uh... shut up, man. That's Christmas. Cam, you got Robin Lopez Cam. with his sideshow bob hair. You've got uh, Jared Allen with his afro. Evan Mobley needs to do something with the uh, with the stuff on top of his noggin. He needs to grow an afro or do something crazy. Otherwise, you can't be uh, center on the Cleveland Cavaliers. All right, let's wrap it up. This podcast tomorrow in the lead up to Bucks and Nets. Big couple of days ahead on Locked On Bucks. Subscribe, as I said, on the audio platform and uh, leave a review and all that kind of stuff. YouTube especially. Subscribe. Drop a comment. Hit the uh, little bell there and hit the thumbs up. Uh, we love it all. Give us all the uh, all the stuff we need for this podcast to keep going. We appreciate it, and we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.